You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you in further. You step forward little by little not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. Deeper Waters Podcast. I am Nick Peters, your host, seeking to bring you the very best in Christian scholarship and apologetics. Now, if you're wondering about where we've been lately, we've had some technical difficulties and such, but I've switched to a new Skype recorder, and I think this one is going to work better. We've had a trial run of it before, but it worked very well. We had some difficulties last time, so I don't know what it was, but I'm monitoring it closely. And uh, so we're going to try and get in touch with some guests that we had on recently that I wasn't able to get recorded where and see if they'll be willing to do those shows again so we can get them up there. But in the end, I want you to know the thought lies with me, really. It's not with my guests and such. It's largely because I'm a technological idiot in many ways. So hopefully this will take care of it. If some of you have been concerned about where the podcast has been, it's been right here. I just haven't been able to do things as well. Now, our guest today is someone who's been on here twice before. And when we were putting all of our podcasts on YouTube, I emailed her and sent her a link to her interviews on here. And she thanked me and said she wanted to come on again if I was able. And I was more than happy to because she has a new program that she wants to promote. Now, who is my guest? Her name is Frida Bush. Frida McKissick Bush, MD, FACOG, has been involved in women's health for more than 40 years. Her health career began graduating from the University of Arkansas School of Nursing in 1967. She graduated from Columbia University, New York, from a Master's of Maternity, Nursing, and Certificate in Nurse Midwifery in 1970. <laughs> and worked as a CNM for 12 years, including service as the chief nurse midwife at Harlem Hospital, New York, New York. In 1974, she became director of the University of Mississippi Nurse Midwifery Program in Jackson, Mississippi. In 1983, she graduated from the University of Mississippi Medical School, and in 87, completed her residency training at the University of Tennessee in Memphis. Since 87, she has been practicing OBGYN in in Jackson, Mississippi, and is a clinical instructor in the Department of OBGYN and Department of Family Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She is a partner in private practice of East Lakeland OBGYN Associates in Jackson, Mississippi, a fellow of the American College OBGYN, and a board member of the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYN. <coughs> she is past chair of the Board of Directors of the Federation of State Medical Boards of the United States, having been elected to the board in 2003. She also served on the Mississippi State Board of Medical Licensure for 12 years. Currently, she is a member of the National Board of Medical Examiners. She is past president of the Central Mississippi Medical Society. In 2006, she received the Community Service Award from the Mississippi State Medical Association. In February 2012, she became president and CEO of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. Frida co-author of Joe S. McElhaney, MD, two books, Hooked, New Science and How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children, 
In the latest book released in January 2012, Girls Uncovered, New Research on What America's Sexual Culture Does to Young Women. She is a member of the Mississippi Governor's Blue Ribbon Task Force on Teen Pregnancy Prevention and serves as chair of the Medical Advisory Subcommittee. Dr. Bush served as a presidential appointee of the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV AIDS, PACA. She was a contributing writer of Faith Matters, How African American Faith Communities Can Help Prevent Teen Pregnancy, published by the National Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy. She is a member of the Physicians Resource Council for Focus on the Family. She also currently serves as a medical advisor for, for Heartbeat International and CareNet and serves as medical director to the Center for Pregnancy Choices, Metro Jackson. Much of her time is spent speaking on sexual health, sexually transmitted diseases, and social behavior education. She has presented seminars for health professionals, educators, parents, and youth in several cities and states, co-sponsoring a conference in Jackson, Mississippi for seven years. Dr. Bush has been interviewed on several TV programs as well as numerous radio programs including Focus on the Family and Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson, Focus on Family with Dr. Jim Daly, and Family Life Today of Dennis Rainey. She has published articles in the Journal of Medical Regulation, the MS State Medical Association Journal, Christianity Day, Charisma Magazine, and Christian Living Metro Jackson. Married for 47 years to her husband, Lee, and an engineer. They have four children, nine grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. And this is why I usually keep a bottle of water around with me in the show. Dr. Bush, welcome back to the Deeper Waters podcast. Thank you, Nick. This is such an honor to be a part of your show and getting the word out to uh, parents and to America. Now, that is a very long academic intro here. Uh, if someone want to know a bit about how you know, got to be doing what you're doing today, tell us a little bit about how you got to this place. Well, I can tell you I have always wanted to be in the health profession. When I was a young girl, you can imagine with um, nine siblings that uh, there was a lot of opportunities for babysitting. Mm-hmm. Not only that, I observed my mom and how every time she got pregnant, she was happy, and uh, she breastfed all of us, and she was just a stay-at-home mom for a number of years, as you can imagine. She mm-hmm. had to be. And I grew up with a very positive and wholesome view of marriage and of childbearing and just, you know, raising children. So being a babysitter, I wanted to be a nurse and just continue to care as I had been. And I went to nursing school. And in nursing school, I saw a different reaction in the parents who were, in the mothers who were coming in having children Mm -hmm. than what I had seen in my family. By the way, I was born at home. And um, here they are in the hospital, and they're screaming and hollering and uh, just frightened, really. And uh, many of them were using profanity, and it was a different worldview than what I was used to. And so I set about trying to see what I could do educationally and then teaching the mothers how to have a better view of childbearing itself, the process, as well as uh, once the children are out. So I subsequently... um, took childbirth education classes, Lamaze method, Reed uh, method, and I became a certified nurse midwife graduating from Columbia University in New York, as uh, you stated. But the mm-hmm. whole idea 
was how I could get this information to the moms so that they could have a better view of the whole birthing experience as well as how that could translate into them welcoming the child into their arms. And it may be a little idealistic, but I can tell you it made a difference in the lives of the women that received this information uh, and I believe subsequently carried over into their whole uh, child-rearing um, experience as well. Many moms uh, came back for other children that were having a lot better view of the labor process, the birth process, and the parenting process. So when I um, later on had an opportunity to become a physician, I say I'm a medical doctor, but I still have that heart and mind of a midwife. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how it how it grew. It grew from me enjoying and watching a positive childbirthing experience with my own mom and subsequently getting an opportunity to hone my skills in working with other mothers and changing their views. Mm-hmm. Now, last Saturday, we were recording the show, and something went wrong with the equipment. And you wanted to give a shout-out because you actually had to stop on the way to do the interview, didn't you? Yes. My husband is um, chairperson of the Mississippi Community College Board for the state of Mississippi and had a meeting down on the Gulf Coast. And um, that's about three hours from where we live in Jackson. And so we were traveling back for me to do the show at home, but due to the weather, et cetera, we decided to be on time. We would stop in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, find a coffee shop or someplace that had Wi-Fi so we could um, do the Skype. And um, we found a very nice shop called Java Works, that's J-A-V-A, W-E-R-K-S, right across the street from the University of Southern Mississippi. They Mm -hmm. were very polite and courteous and gave us a little corner to ourselves, and um, we were able to record there. So I just wanted to, uh, if you're ever going through Hattiesburg, Mississippi, stop in and um, give them patronage because they were so kind to us. Do they serve tea also? They serve tea, yeah. Oh, good, good. I mean, it's it's one of my sayings, and my wife, Allie, knows it very well, that coffee was created by the devil to lead us away from tea. Oh, my. <laughs> well, I've not heard that before, but uh, I can tell you I had uh, my granddaughter with mm-hmm. us, and she's a coffee addict, so she was very pleased with the coffee there. For all those coffee connoisseurs, it was apparently good coffee as well. We stopped at the mall here for the first time in Atlanta on Mother's Day because her her mother was going to go to the Cheesecake Factory nearby there for Mother's Day. And I saw a Tiavana store there. And I, I, I think the words hallelujah came from my lips a few times there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can say I've been a tea addict since, again, that's, we were raised up at home. Because there were so many of us, we didn't have a teapot. We had a, uh, <laughs> what do I want to say? We had a um, pitcher, a pot, mm-hmm. you know, on the stove type pot. When yeah. Daddy made tea, 
he made a large amount for all of us. Well, let's start talking about the talk, because your program, uh, your wonderful program, is called Had the Talk. What is Had the Talk? Well, actually, Had the Talk is a, a new launching that we have done to really empower parents and caring adults, particularly grandparents, in how to talk to their young people about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned, you know, my whole experience with childbirthing. Well, you don't get to have a child without participating in the sexual activity. Right. And so many of our young people get uh, sidelined because they don't fully understand the power and the influence of sex and how it permeates your entire life. I so, remember uh, hearing Jennifer Roback Morris once. You, in fact, I found out about, about you through her. But she talked about how uh, we, we used to be, we were at the point where we wanted to have sex without babies, and now we've reached the point of babies without sex, and she says, which I'm sure is not as much fun as the traditional way. <laughs> wow. That's true. I tell young people that... Um, Sex is very enjoyable, and it's like fire. Mm-hmm. If you use fire properly, contain mm-hmm. it within the fireplace mm-hmm. or on the stove cooking, then you get the best benefits of um, of sex. But if you allow it to go outside of its um, stated parameters or for its benefit, it can burn. Th- it can burn your house down on the stove or in the fireplace. It's delightful. Uh, but outside, it can be very devastating. And I've compared sex, it to nuclear energy. <laughs> okay. Well, sex is like that. Used properly, uh, it's very beneficial and very pleasurable. Um, and, of course, procreation is one of those benefits, if you would. Recreation, for sure. And intimacy, bonding mm-hmm. you to the person you're having sex with. But if you use it just uh, casually, uh, recreational only, without considering the other two components, then you can get burned up yourself, uh, emotionally, psychologically. So what we have started at the Medical Institute is a program called Had the Talk, and it is to actually help parents, caring adults, um, to know how to talk to their young people about sex, and um, it can be accessed actually um, along with uh, a resource guide for parents or caring adults through the website www.hadthetalk.com or hadthetalk.org, O-R-G. Mm-hmm. Well, when you were talking about the thing about uh, how, how it's got a, a bonding power, I've got a friend, for instance, who just last month proposed to his girlfriend. In fact, I knew it was calling. I knew it so much that when he called me and I could tell he was happy, I said, you proposed, didn't you? Said, what makes you think that? I said, yeah, you did. You did. And fortunately, she did say yes. But... When I, I talk to people like that, I say, now, you you love this person you're in a relationship right now with, right? Yeah, I do. I said, okay, you don't have a clue yet. 
You really don't. I mean, I don't doubt they love him, but after you get married and after and after sex, everything changes. Wow. You obviously have a healthy respect for sex as well. Oh, yes. Because it does. Whether you intend to be bonded to that person or not, mm-hmm. sex is bonding. It is a... a one of the purposes of sex, as I mentioned earlier, is to bond that person with the other so that when they reproduce children, they will stick around and care for the children. So sex is made to be enjoyable so that you will continue to do it. Mm-hmm. It's made to be uh, procreated so that when a child is reproduced, uh the human race is able to continue. It's reproductive. And it bonds you, again, as I say, to stay around it. So it's recreational, so you'll enjoy it. It's procreational, so that more human beings will be reproduced. But it's also adhesive, so that you will stick and stay to care for the children that are reproduced. Mom and dads, that's what the purpose of it is is so that they can, as my dad would say, train up a child in the way they should go uh, with the idea that you raise them up in the microcosm of your home to then branch out into the world when they're adults. And it is expected that they will go um, and and replenish the earth, and so it it continues that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we say we're going to be talking to young people about sex, one thing we have to ask is, how young are we talking about? Well, I can tell you, the Medical Institute um, has this vision that we will begin age-appropriate discussions, Mm -hmm. which uh, means that when they're children, you will have... um, different words and different ways of explaining, but as they become uh, adolescents and young adults, then your information, the breadth and depth of your information would change and would be uh, more explicit, but according to what the child is able to handle. So um, our vision for this initiative is to equip parents and caregivers with the resources and tips that they need mm-hmm. based on scientific research that will be age appropriate. Now, I can tell you one of our um, associates that we work with is Mary Flo Ridley, and Just Say Yes is her uh, program, and she is more in with information and tools for the younger child Mm -hmm. and I would say up to probably fifth or sixth grade Mm -hmm. but that's a different conversation a more in-depth conversation when you get up into middle school and higher right and so we're focusing on the higher adolescent older adolescent and young adult and uh, partnering with um, Just Say Yes, Mary Flo Whitley, for the conversation for children. And you can access her website for resources 
uh, for that age group. But we have this vision of equipping parents and caregivers for resources for adolescents and young adults, providing the science-based information to build better lives for our children and teens without the consequences of casual sex and with them understanding um, the health benefits in, in this conversation. As a matter of fact, I usually say to the young people when I'm presenting, you know, do you want to have the best sex? And of course, who, who uh, doesn't want to enjoy what they're doing? Well, it's then not you just gotta, the young people who want that, by the way. Oh, all right. <laughs> but who doesn't want to have risk-free activity that is enjoyable? Oh, yeah. And that you can continue uh, for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And what we fail to forget is that there are risks that are associated with sex as well. And mm -hmm. so you want the best sex, which is healthy, which is risk-free, which is enjoyable. But you got to understand what the risks are in order to be able to avoid them. So that's part of what we do is we tell you the positives, but we would be remiss if we didn't also tell you the potential negatives or dangers of it. Yeah, I'm remembering a quote I heard long ago. I think it was from Gary Smarty, but I'm not certain, so no one quote me on it, but you can look it up as saying, the Bible has a word for safe sex. It's called marriage. Good point. Mm. And the point of that is that it would be one man mm -hmm. with one woman that would stick and stay is what I'd say right. to mm -hmm. uh, care for the children that are expected but even if there are no children reproduced you still want to avoid the risk of sexually transmitted diseases you mm -hmm. wanted to avoid the risk of emotional consequences which occurs when you have casual sex that means multiple partners or concurrent partners at the same time um, and one of the biggest risks that people forget has to do with the um, the brain and emotionally what happens. You know, there's a mantra that all you have to do is use a condom or wrap it up. Well, the condom reduces your risk for sexually transmitted diseases, but it doesn't eliminate them. And we can go into that detail later if you'd like. Yeah, but and it does nothing for the heart. Yeah. It doesn't there's no condom for the heart. There's no condom for the brain. Or for and I'm gonna tell you the brain is the biggest sex organ in the body. Yep. It begins with a thought. It begins in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you add behavior to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, when we were talking about how it begins in the mind, one of the things we have to stress is that men and women are really, really different with how they approach this. I, I once was emailing someone from Shanti Feldhorn's ministry, and I've done the same with her on the Facebook page of Sheila Ray Gregor, who runs a To Love, Honor, and Vacuum blog and ministry. And both of them, I shared a favorite clip of mine of Steve Harvey hosting the Family Feud and how he asked how the question he asked is we asked 100 married men firm a blank I would blank for sex and the number one answer rings, rings in is pay and 
I'll be able to answers on there. Lie, beg, die, and I, I, I still personally do an arm press every time I get to kill at that point. Because it, 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 it's so hysterical, and all the women were trying some things like cook, clean, like that. And said, so, you know, you really don't understand that when men say this kind of stuff, that's really what they're saying. That's how central this is to their worldview. Wow. So they weren't just saying it for dramatic effect. You're saying they really meant it. Yeah. And that, that's what the answers were on the board. The answers were pay, beg, lie, die, kill. Wow. Well, I can tell you that is a little different <laughs> for women. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. We, I, I actually sent my in-laws me. So you, what we noticed is that the men were talking about what they'd be, what they would do because they weren't sex so much. The women were talking about what they would want to have done for them before they gave sex. Mm. So it's a, what is it, a quid pro quo? Yep. <laughs> well, we want our young people to have a healthy respect for it and to for sexual activity and to be able to enjoy it. And I'm going to tell you, I had a um, young man who said to me once, I wish, he's now married, and he said, I wish I could just have sex with my wife. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, is this um, a menage de trois or what is going on? He was talking about the visions that he still had in his head from prior relationships before marrying. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's saying during the sexual act with his wife that sometimes he would get flashbacks from prior relationships mm-hmm. and that would just distract him from what he was doing there with his wife. Mm-hmm. And he regretted all of the, I guess, the videos and the playbacks that would sometimes come. And he was saying, had I never had sex prior to that, if I had waited for my wife then she would be the only memory or the image that I would have, and that would be so great. And um, so that's one of the things we like to help young teens understand about sexual health and give them information that will help them to, as I say, get the best sex. The best image would be that. And if that's the only sexual experience you have, it's a great experience instead mm-hmm. of having compare in your head was she was better or he was better or yeah. worse. If if that's the only experience you have, that's the good experience. Yep. And you can always, you know, go to counseling uh, or read books on how to enhance that behavior, but I would certainly warn against pornography oh, because yeah. uh, that definitely can, that's a, a that's a, one to sabotage uh, gives you unexpected expectations or impossible expectations at times. Because anyway, we could yep. talk about pornography if you want, but that is definitely something to avoid because those are inappropriate and sometimes impossible to match uh, scenarios that you see on those videos. You know, I, I really like what she said about avoiding comparison because 
Ari and I stayed virgins until we married, and so we can both look at each other and say, yeah, you're the best I've ever had. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember we talked with someone once, and we talked about how, how men think, and he told her, look, you know what, one of the best gifts you can really give your husband, Gregory, is, is sex. No matter what you give him, you will never get a return receipt on sex. Ah, well, I can tell you there's lots of books out there, resources that if you are having difficulty um, with enjoying the relationship, initiating the relationship, or, you know, having difficulty with discomfort, which sometimes occurs, yeah. then there are resources that you can go to, like I said, either uh, in books or how-to, mm -hmm. uh, but or you can go to counseling yeah. uh, or talk with a trusted friend. I've had lots of experience as a health professional counseling people about sexual activity and sometimes it's very simple things to like when you are a virgin with the woman since we were talking about that for her in particular with the vagina having being very small sometimes penetrating can be difficult initially mm -hmm. but you know it must be possible to occur or there wouldn't be so many people yes. in the world and also uh, so many people enjoying it. So it's a matter of learning mm. the mechanics. But once you get past that, then it's a matter of, of uh, enjoying it and being preferenced. And if that's the only one you've ever had, I mean, that's the bomb. That's the, the best. When I was getting ready to get married, I had some male mentors who were giving me the ins and outs and the tips. I, we also had, I also had some friends who were identical twins, and their dad was a doctor. So he would talk to me some about this kind of stuff and such. And I appreciated this kind of help so much that whenever I meet guys who are getting ready to get married, I try and spend some time with, okay, let's talk. Here are some things you need to know because most likely they don't want to go to their dads and ask about this. And they definitely don't want to go up to their, to their future in-laws and ask about this. So I've tried to be there as much as I can to help them out. And I, I think women getting married need to talk to other women who can help them. And I'd recommend when they're getting married, say to men and women, get one good book on the topic of Christian sex and marriage and go through it so you will be ready. Excellent. Well, I can hear parents who may be listening to this podcast mm -hmm. and are uncomfortable about having those types of conversations. Yes. And that's why the Medical Institute is providing this resource called Had the Talk because um, you know, you asked your question, would you rather your teens get health information from their peers or from the media or the movies or, or not? Would you want them to get good, healthy information, information that will be couched with your values and your principles? Mm -hmm. So we're providing this so parents won't be afraid to talk with their children uh, about uh, sexual activity and how to have the best experience. And um, the parents 
may be uncomfortable. The child may be uncomfortable, but they should trust you to give them the information that will make good sense so that they can make good sexual decisions. Um, and so that's what this is for. You know, we could say, you know, it might make you uncomfortable if you have to talk with your kids about sex, but probably even more comfortable if your daughter came home pregnant or your son came home with an STD. That could be a little bit more uncomfortable. Right, right. And you know what? I just had a flash. Sometimes parents say, well, I can't talk to them because they know I didn't do it right or I had negative experience. And I'm thinking to myself, what better person to talk to them? Exactly. Because you can say, been there, done that, got a Mm T-shirt, and I don't want you to have to buy it. Mm -hmm. Let me give you the benefit of the experience that I've had. So with your wisdom, with your experience and your wise um, counsel, you can give them the scientific information. You can give them the practical information so that they will get the best experience of it and um, thoroughly enjoy it. So that would be providing the tools that the parents need to give them this information, I think, is what we're, we're trying to do. We actually have what we call a resource guide that they can download um, that will provide them practical information on how to do this, mm-hmm. how to have the talk. And uh, it goes into, um, well, yes, there is, you know, like an introduction that is a little more detailed than what we're doing here. Um, but it also then goes into um, detail as to um, the practicality of anatomy, for example. Mm-hmm. Depending on the age of the child, you right. would want to make sure that you got those terms correct, but you also want to tell them about the functioning. If the young girl has already began her period, I think it's important for her to understand her cycles and understand the the potential for pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you introduce the idea of birth control or not is your choice, but... Um, Some parents do not because they're concerned that if they tell them um, or if they put them on birth control, then they would be more enticed to to, uh, participate in sexual activity. But one of the points that I try to tell parents is they need to hear about birth control from you because then you can wrap your values around it. And they don't need to say, well, mama didn't or daddy didn't. Mm-hmm. tell me or lie to me because then there's a trust factor that's there. And you don't want them to hear about the birth control pills or the condoms for the first time from their peers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that you would be able to tell them based on this information is the types of uh, risk including sexual activity, including sexual uh, infections, and the long-term consequences that some of those can have, Uh, and the fact that condoms reduce your risk, 
but they do not eliminate your risk. Sometimes you hear on the media and it says, protect yourself, wrap it up. Well, remember, the condom only covers what the condom covers. And there's plenty of skin outside of that experience, um, outside of the condom, rather. Mm-hmm. And so it helps young people to rethink their behavior. And um, with your values, you can even help them explore the potential rewards for making healthy decisions. And so you're able to have a discussion based on where they are age-wise and a discussion on um, where they may be, even if they've already had sexual experience. Right. You know, I I think it's important also that we let parents know just why you need to be doing this. I grew up in the South. And that was in Tennessee, in Knoxville, which is, I understand, the most Bible-believing city in the country. Now, you go to the 90s, the late 90s, because I graduated in 1999 from high school. I, okay, now, I was a nerd back then, still am, but I'm such a nerd, I did not go to any of my problems, in fact. And not because I didn't want to, but because, no, I never have a guts to ask anyone out. But I remember the Monday after the weekend of the proms, I come back to school, and I wasn't doing apologetics then. I wish I was, because I would have known a whole lot more about what to say and such. And all the, the guys around, the main question and topic we were discussing was, what hotel did you go to after the prom? Mm. This is what was going on. This is what was being talked about in the most Bible-believing city in the country in the late 90s. If that was going on then, it is much worse now. Well, I can tell you that's not unique. Mm-hmm. That's not a unique story. No. But what we need to understand or what needs to be understood is that you can have lots of fun uh, with building healthy relationships mm-hmm. that are non-sexual right. and you don't have to regret it the next day mm-hmm. or the next fun. I cannot tell you how many babies I've probably delivered that were conceived on prom night. Mm-hmm. And, and that can happen with or without a condom. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, what a lot of young women do not understand is that the time when they feel most amorous and are their guard is the lowest is when they're during the fertile time of their cycle. Mm-hmm. And so especially if they're not on birth control pills that has suppressed the ovulation, then the, um, I say the natural inclination is for you to feel more amorous during that time. Mm-hmm. That's Mother Nature's way of reproducing. Yeah. Or making you want to feel like reproducing. Mm-hmm. But it's only a three-day window in a month when a young lady can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So um, if she understood her body, and that certainly are some resources that we could provide, 
then she would be able to better understand why she feels certain ways and um, make better choices. Now, you can uh, tell me if you think I'm wrong on this and such, but this is kind of thing that I've read and studied over the years, that the sexual act would be usually much, much more bonding for the female than it will be for the male. I mean, it's bonding for the male, but the woman is one who will say, well, this is what we've done, and now he is going to love me. We are going to be together. And she'll just be waiting by the phone saying, why why isn't he calling? Why isn't he there? Because he hasn't formed the same emotional commitment that she has, has he? Well, I can tell you the sexual act is definitely influencing on the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hormones that are produced are more than just the sexual hormones, estrogen and testosterone. Right. But oxytocin bonds the woman more to the male or to the person that's stimulating her, mm-hmm. and, but it also bonds her to her child. The oxytocin is an adhesive like, and it... Mm-hmm makes you trust and it makes you uh, feel closer to that person. The male has a similar um, hormone called vasopressin that attaches him also to the person who is stimulating Mm -hmm. that emotion. And so when that occurs, whether you are planning on being attached or feeling close to that person or not, it's because that's what that hormone does. You naturally are going to think about that person. You naturally are going to feel closer to that person after the sexual act than Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. And what I I usually tell guys, as I said, look, I don't care how much you think you're a man of logic and reason and such, which I strongly as well. When it comes to sex, you're going to find logic and reason pretty much go right out the window because that that desire is so strong, you'll want to do just about anything you can to get it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you also, mm-hmm. another resource that the Medical Institute has mm-hmm. is called Hooked. Yeah. New Science on How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children. It's a book that Dr. Joe McElhaney and I were able to co-author mm-hmm. that's talking about what actually helps or what impact sex has on the developing brains of our adolescents and young adults. This mm-hmm. is all based on the neuroscience information from the National Institute of Health and the National Institute of Men- Mental Health, and it talks about how sexual activity releases chemicals in the brain, creating those emotional bonds that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. And it also talks about how these bonds can have an influence on your emotions causing depression and making it harder for you to bond with someone else in the future. Mm -hmm. It also um, lets you know that when these chemicals are released, 
sometimes, especially with multiple casual relationships, you can become addicted to the sexual act as opposed to becoming addicted to or attached to the person because the brain makes certain um, it has neuro neurohormones that I've just talked about, but it also has neurons that are influenced by these hormones. Mm-hmm. And so with repeated behavior, those neurons can be molded to expect that behavior to continue. So when I talk about the brain being the largest sex organ in the body, mm-hmm. that what I'm talking about because it is influenced physically and neurochemically by the sexual act Mm -hmm. and sometimes it can blindside you when you don't realize that you're going to feel your feelings are going to be changed yeah Uh, I think that's one of the great things when you say sex for marriage because Ari can then become one of my greatest motivators to be the loving man that I need to be for her because, you know, it benefits me as well if I'm doing the right thing by her. And in turn, she can get that emotional closeness she needs with me through the action as well and such. And it it becomes a... We, we help each other out mutually through sex. Mm. And that is so very important. It's a mutual beneficial act. And sometimes I tell the young ladies, when you have relations and the next day you see the guy talking to someone else, it definitely has a negative impact on you. I said, why else? would um, young ladies slash car tires or uh, break windows Mm -hmm. if there weren't some bonding going on. To use the old saying, why would someone buy the cow when they can get the milk for free? I've heard that. I, I think one of the things that uh, I think it was Eric Regnoas did that great study on homosexual parents and such, where he said that when it comes to the sexual market, women set the price and they determine what it is that they're worth. Are they worth dinner in a movie, a week, a month, three or four months, engagement, or do they set the price and say, I am worth marriage, and if you do not give me marriage, you do not get what I've got. Wow. Well, I wish more young women and young men would understand that. Mm -hmm. The value of it, the significance of it, Mm -hmm. and would um, look forward to being in a mutually monogamous, committed relationship. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that I should say something here because, I mean, we got you on here talking from a woman's perspective very well and a much more informed perspective about the medical aspects than I am definitely. But, you know, I'd just say, especially that, uh, you know, 
I, I've said a lot of people on here to indicate to you know, that yes, sex is wonderful, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's bonding, it's quite, we would say, the best experience you can have of another human being on this earth. But I'll tell you a thousand times over, I am so glad I waited until I got married instead of doing things for due time. Because now we're in that lifelong covenant with each other. There's no competition. No one's on trial. It's not a case that we have to perform or else you're out. It's really a trial-free situation. And as good as it is also, something I think you learn in marriage is that it gets even better over time. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Again, parents can reach these resources mm -hmm. by going to the website www.hadthetalk.com mm -hmm. or hadthetalk.org. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the resource guide provides a lot more information than what we're talking about here. Um, it talks, it gives you scientific information uh, about relationships. It gives you information about um, sexually transmitted diseases. And so you've got the resources to help you. But more than that, you've got, um, you're encouraged to just relax and to share that information with the young people. Mm -hmm. Now, normally we think the parents should be doing the parenting and such, and I agree, but in a sense, the young people should really kind of set the tone for when the time is right for the talk to take place, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to pay attention to what your child is saying. You're going to pay attention to where they are physically and emotionally. And so you are going to be the best judge then of what they are ready for. For example, now this is a much younger child might ask you, where did I come from? Uh -huh. uh, or how are babies made? And if you're thinking, where did I come from? And you go into this detail about the sperm and the egg, and it may be that what they're talking about is what Johnny said, he came from Chicago. Yeah. Where did I come from? So you've got to make sure that you um, understand what they're asking about, but also that you have had a relationship with them um, so that you can even be able to handle the question if they should ask you um questions that you may feel uncomfortable may ask you about your experiences mm -hmm. and um, so you kind of have to be prepared for that mm -hmm. of course when they ask about your experiences I mean, they, they, intimate details should never be given of course but you just say generalities about how things work I mean when I talk to young men who are preparing for marriage they will not get any intimate details that we're telling specifically what goes on between Ari and I, but they're going to get deep, they're going to get told information that I hope will help them. 
And that makes sense. But again, what I tell parents is never deny whether you have had uh, sexual activity outside of marriage because especially if the young woman knows that she, her mom has an older child, perhaps it's not a part of it, but even with the dad who may not have a child there in the household, they need to understand truth is builds up credibility, telling the truth. And so you don't go into details about, you know, how many partners or the, you know, background of information, but especially if they know they were born out of wedlock, um, then you say to them, that's why I have the credibility to tell you I wished I had waited. I don't regret having you. Right. I certainly would want you to have a avoid some of the negativity that I encountered. And that way you can um, be honest and as the kids say, you build up street credibility. Right. You know, I, I think also it's important that uh, I think a mistake that we can often make is we focus on the negatives and we do ignore the positives. I'm thinking, I've told this story before, but when I was in Bible college, I was in my 20s, and I went to my church's evening service Wednesday night, they had something going on called the silver ring thing, which is kind of like true love weights and such, and the associate pastor got up and gave a talk, and he was talking to the people and saying, now look, to the youth especially, saying, now look, I want you to know that if uh, you decide to have sex before you get married, it will be for selfish reasons. I was thinking, okay, I think I can agree with that, all right. He said, here are some things you can think about, but what if you get an STD? What if you get pregnant? Think about the guilt you could feel. Think about what the shame would be when you have to tell someone who you're dating and you're going to marry that they're not the first ones get to have sex with you. All these kind of things like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking excuse me pastor those sound like self-centered reasons to me just as much. And then he just kept going on. I don't remember much of what he said but I remember I was sitting back there and I was listening to this and I was getting bored. And And I've said if you are talking at a church about sex and you have a college-age guy in the audience and he's getting bored you're talking about it wrong wow well i appreciate you for having the courage to say that but that's yeah, I, one of the yeah one of the reasons we're providing these resources mm-hmm. is to give parents boundaries and give them information about what to say. And sometimes you can't have the whole conversation at that particular time, that you may break it up into bite-sized pieces, um, because depending on the age of the person, too, you're going to have different wording and different stories that you may tell to emphasize your points, depending on their age. Like a 12- or 13-year-old, you're going to have a different conversation than a 18 or 19 year old. Oh yes. And your information also is going to be based on the situation 
that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm looking now at one of the resource guides that we have, and it's talking about how to actually communicate. Uh, we were mentioning earlier about make sure you understand the question that they're asking before you barge in with the answer. So you pay attention to what they're asking and make sure that you are clear on what their question may be. Um, And you're going to listen as they're explaining it without trying to interrupt um, and making sure that you understand what the question is. Stay calm and attentive um, and listen and, and respond or even give information and then wait for their response. Uh, sometimes restating the question or concern that they have really makes a difference in confirming that you understand what the question is. And um, you want to make sure, too, that in your answer you're giving it uh, according to what they're asking. If you give too much information, sometimes it gets distract, distorted. Mm-hmm. And they may not be able to handle it all. Because you can always say, well, we've talked about this, this, and this today, but I'm available anytime that you may have additional questions or if you want to ask more about this. So you're leaving yourself open to them uh, coming and asking you questions in, in the future. Sometimes simply restating what you just heard to confirm that you understand or repeating the question or restating it in a way that has your own words in it helps you to then be able to make sure A, you understand what they're asking and B, to guide you as you are responding. So you'll have medically accurate information which we will be providing here but the actual conversation is going to be guarded and guided by what you have to say mm-hmm. in, in your own language. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I'd like to remind everyone that you're listening to the Deeper Wireless podcast. I'm talking with Dr. Frida Bush. We're talking about the information, had the talk, about how to talk with your teenagers about sexuality. But if you're listening next Saturday here, and although I am recording this on first, I'm still using the same terminology. On the 16th of July, back in February or so, here in Atlanta, I think it was February, it might have been March, economically, it was April, I think, we had a Dr. Craig Evans come to town, and I went and got to meet with him, and he's been on this show before, and I asked him if he would be willing to come back on to talk about his latest book that he had come out, I got last year, an excellent one called Jesus and the Remains of His Day, looking at archaeology in the New Testament. And Dr. Evans will be back here next Saturday. It's going to be a one-hour show, but we're going to be talking with Dr. Craig Evans about his book, Jesus and the Remains of His Day. So if you're a big fan of Dr. Evans like I am, you need to be listening to this show. Now, for now, let's get back to Dr. Frieda Bush here. Now, one thing I think you've said also is that if you have young boys growing up, if it's at all possible, 
they need to have preferably their father, but a man talk to them about what's going on and vice versa for young girls. Is that right? That is correct. Um, because the young ladies can relate to the uh, mother or the mother can relate to the young ladies experientially, but also knowing that if it's a young girl, that this is guidance for understanding her body by someone who really uh, knows it intimately as well. And so age-appropriate information given by the same-sex parent or adult uh, makes the conversation a lot more easy, but also helps the young person who is listening to um, pay more attention because it's like been there, you under, you really do understand because you are have the same body parts and the same hormones and the like. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, we have a resource for um, children as well called Tell Me Now. Tell Me Now is a video for third, fourth, fifth graders where the uh, birds and the bees conversation occurs where we actually have a cartoon video that shows the sperm Mm -hmm. uh, going through the uh, uterus and connecting uh, with the egg or the ova and showing the whole process. And um, we also have the father talking to the son and making the explanations about relationships. And the mom is talking with her teenage daughters. And the actual um, series has um, the DVD. It has an adult workbook and information book, but also one for the teen so that even after you watch the video together, they can um, get further information and understanding. But it's a very cute video. It's only about 20 minutes long, so it's not um, certainly not boring because we use cartoons to uh, animate the information. Uh, it's very one of our best sellers because it really is um, quality, but it's also informational. And it makes that conversation go a lot easier with that uh, venue. We know that uh, men and women have body differences, thank goodness, but there's a whole lot more to their differences than just the body, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, The body is obvious, and those adolescent changes uh, make it, clear too with the breast buds and for the female and the curve curving of the body and with the young men the um, deepening of the voice etc but emotionally that's one of the things too that we talk about the influence on the brain Um, and this is another resource that the medical institute has about how casual sex affects the brain but it goes into the neuroanatomy as well. Um, science has, neuroscience has opened up so that we better understand the differences 
in the brain and what effect it has on our decision making as well as we mature. So you make better decisions at 15 than you did at 5 and even better decisions at 25 than you do at 15. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a resource that is wealth researched and is um, well written and is also a, a great guide hooked new science on how casual sex affects our children. Mm -hmm. And the resource on Tell Me Now is specifically for young teenagers understanding the anatomy and also some of the emotional changes that occurs uh, when it comes to sexual activity. Yeah, I think sometimes also we uh, we kind of give guys a rough treatment in the area and we turn girls into something they're really not gross guys are often just seen when they show up at the father's house to pick up the girl they're just seen as just a big bundle of hormones who just wants to get the daughter into bed with him and the wife is seen the girl up to seen as just this uh, pleasant sweet little thing and she will have no sexual thoughts or desires whatsoever and she just wants someone to love her and such and I, I think we do both of them a disservice when we put that kind of picture out there don't we I absolutely do mm -hmm. uh, it's important first of all that you build healthy relationships that you mm -hmm. get to be friends with the person mm -hmm. and actually that's what young people should be focusing on is friendships and relationships that are non-sexual altogether mm. because I can promise you as you get older that's what kind of person you want to be with uh, for the long term and so it's not just sex mm -hmm. you, you're not going to have sex 24 hours seven days a week right you're going to live with that person that person would be your friend and mm -hmm. so your foundation of relationship will be based on that which is non-sexual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, I've got a friend who's getting married, and you know, I'm going to be telling him about this kind of thing, of course. And, and, so, you know, what, and I've always said, when you go on your honeymoon, believe it or not, you are not spending your whole time on your honeymoon having sex together. You will be doing other things on your honeymoon. And when you get back... It's the day-to-day -day things that are going to lead to a lot of trouble, too, about sex. It's one of the three things couples argue about the most. But, you know, it says, you know, you're going to wind up, when you live with someone, that you, you suddenly really get to see a side of them you never could see while you were dating. And you're going to wind up getting into arguments over some of the stupidest, stupidest things sometimes, like a, where do you put the silverware in the drawers or which side of a bed do you sleep on or how do you handle the toothpaste roll things like that yeah mm -hmm. and that's why friendship is so so very important mm -hmm. uh get to know i say the what's in the big head before you go below the waist when i was in high school um we were part of the 4-h club and so the four H's was the head, the heart, the hand, and the home. And so you really get to know 
What are they thinking? What are they like? What kind of things do they uh, do with their their time? Uh, how do they treat their other friends? Uh, how do they do board games? Do they cheat and got to win, you know, aggressive? So you've got to get to know the person. How do they think, but how do they behave? more than just how cute they are or, you know, how how do they perform in bed. Mm-hmm. You've got to know the real person, and that is going to build long-lasting relationships. And um, I know we're talking about having the talk with our children, but that, to me, should be part of the conversation, is what kind of person is he? Do they lie, cheat, steal? Where are their moral values? Otherwise, not again, you know, how cute they look or how how fine they are, but just what kind of person is this someone I would want to be with even if there were no sex? Because there will be times in relationship, fast forward, when um, it will not all be about sex. There may be times illness occurs. Mm-hmm. Will this be somebody who will stick with me, you think, through thick and thin or Mm -hmm. would leave if things got tough? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at what's in the head and what's in the heart and the kind of person that they are as well as those physical attributes, you know, not Mm -hmm. just is he cute or funny or, or is he cute, but, you know, what else is going on beneath the surface? I think when we were doing this uh, original interview, and unfortunately things went wrong, and you, know, you were talking about competitiveness, I, I think I'm really surprised you know, I said, yes, I am extremely competitive, especially when I play a game. I play to win, and usually it's not enough for me just to beat my opponent. I want to wipe the floor of him as much as I can. <laughs> Well, that sounds pretty aggressive to me. Mm-hmm. That aggressiveness isn't always a bad trait. It just needs to be controlled. As we were talking pre-show, I have said for, I was telling you that uh, a lot of people have seen, I think, on Allie's Facebook, that they know if someone goes on there and they insert Allie, they hurt her in a major way. I am going to be right there, and I do not have mercy at that point. <laughs> but see, people are different personalities, so mm-hmm. that may be uh, the fact that you are assertive. Mm-hmm. I didn't say aggressive, but right. assertive mm-hmm. may be a positive trait for yeah. someone, but it may be a negative trait for someone else. So you've got to get to know yourself right. as well as get to know that person. And that would certainly be something that um, in the conversation with the had the talk Mm -hmm. that the parents would be wanting to help the young person to see, to look beyond the physical characteristics, what is beneath the surface of that person. Um, We want to talk to our children about the whole person, not just the physical characteristics. and not just the the sexual perusal, uh, but you want to know 
for your child to be happy, successful, responsible, and strong, that they would mate with someone who had the similar characteristics. My uh, mom used to say that um, being opposite sex was opposite enough. You wanted to find someone who had as much common values with you as possible because you're going to be with them, hopefully, for the rest of your life. And you'd like to like each other, not yeah. just love, but you'd like to like the other person. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's amusing about how you have to look beyond just the physical and see the whole person because I would tell you when... She first saw my picture on Facebook. She thought, oh, my gosh, this is a total nerd here. And she was not really interested in getting into a relationship with a nerd. But the more she talked with me and got to know me, that aspect didn't become as central to her. And I'm pretty sure today she'd say, yeah, I'm the best-looking guy that there is for her. Yes, for her, because I tell you what, love, as they say, covers a multitude of sin. Oh, yes. So you don't see the person as they perhaps are seen by other people. Mm -hmm. But if that's the one for you, then your commonalities will help you communicate and help you um, be together for a longer period of time. Yep, and I've told Abby for us that honey I think you were absolutely beautiful on our wedding day I love seeing you in your wedding dress and all that but honestly to me you've gotten more beautiful over the years and no matter what happens to you you are always going to be beautiful in my eyes wonderful I like that mm-hmm. yeah well this resource had the talk uh, provides a a guide for parents to bring out that type of conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Not just be shallow looking at the physical yeah. or looking at, you know, oh, he plays great ball or she really dances well, but wh- who is the person beneath the surface? Mm-hmm. So we provide information uh, like that too. Mm-hmm. As parents, we want to provide Uh, opportunities for our children to talk with us about anything Mm -hmm. and so we give guides in here how to communicate with them how to start the conversation how to continue the conversation so that it becomes a lifelong conversation not just a Mm -hmm. one-time thing that you do when they're 12 or 14 Mm -hmm. Uh, but this is an ongoing conversation yeah Studies have shown that uh, the more the parents have that communication and take advantage of opportunities to talk, that the children do better uh, as teens, they do better in school, they feel better about themselves because they know what their parents' expectations are and they respect uh, their parents because they can talk. I've had some kids say, well, I can talk to my mom or my dad about anything. And I've had others who can't talk to them or feel they can't talk to them about anything. Mm. Well, this certainly is a very uh, heavy conversation uh, 
in or significant conversations, so you would like to know that you're doing it and doing it well for your child's sake. You want your child to be strong and not just physically, but um, emotionally, spiritually, academically. So you want them to be successful and responsible adults. So this is one way of doing it is to um, have these conversations, healthy conversations. Dr. Bush, I can imagine a little bit something that the parents were here because a lot of young people are saying because you're talking about getting to know a person without sex but some people say you know but if we get married sex is really going to be important part of that we need to make know that things going to work I mean you wouldn't buy a car if you didn't take it for a test drive would you well I've heard that same argument but you don't want to test it with everybody else I've had one young lady that I know was um, senior in college, believe it or not, um, when taking her sexual history, I asked how many different partners had she had. And um, she said, do you want me to include the one-nighters? And I said, yes, any sexual activity that you've had. And uh, she came up with the number 26. Well, I can't imagine if you've had 26 different partners and you aren't even 26 years old yet that you even know what you're looking for and you will have all of this, um, these memories in your head from the different partners. I can't imagine having a really healthy, stable relationship with someone as a husband or wife with that type of experience mm-hmm. without some significant uh, rewiring or retraining or rethinking. If you've, in other words, established the habit of having short-term relationships with your brain, then it's going to be challenging to remold your brain to be faithful in a relationship and stable in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So you would like as parents to, again, put your values on it and encourage the type of behavior and teaching that you would want your child to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of those is waiting for sex until you are in a committed relationship in marriage mm-hmm. and avoiding um having multiple relationships because again you will have trained your brain to accept multiple relationships as uh, normal even if you decide to cohabitate or you know live with someone prior to marriage sexually that studies again have shown that you are more likely to divorce even if you have lived with them and then married, because, again, you've gotten accustomed to a shorter-term relationship. Mm-hmm. You also are more likely to be depressed and have emotional problems when you've had multiple relationships, because, again, you've trained your brain to accept short-term relationships as normal. Mm-hmm. And so it's more challenging for you to be able to, I say, stick and stay. Mm-hmm because you've wired your brain for short-term relationships 
and your emotions again have become um, involved in short-term relationships. So can you rewire? Absolutely you can, but not without some counseling and some real um, work on your part to change. But um, you can make a different decision and put the behavior in practice and get a different result or healthier result. Um, but again, with you having to make a decision mm-hmm. that I will renew or change my mind about my behavior. And again, I say avoiding drugs and alcohol because they always cloud your decision making. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to remind everyone that you're listening to the Deeper Waters podcast. Everything we do here is listener-supported. We depend on the work and support of people like you. And I'm going to tell you, that that is so central and important to what we do. I, I encounter many of you who like the show and such, that if you can go a step further and donate to us, that will really, really help us out a lot. Um, if you're uh, interested in doing that, go to my website, deeperwaters.ddns.net. There's a link. Help support the work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries. And if you click that link, it takes you to Risen Jesus. That's the ministry of my in-laws, Mike and Debbie Lacona. You've gone to the right place. You make your donation there, and then you contact Mike or Debbie or Allie or myself and say, Hey, I made a donation. I want to go to Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. And they'll make sure we give a donation. It will be tax deductible. And if you can be a monthly donor, that is even better. We really appreciate that, especially. Now, you can also support us through Amazon by buying books I've written or co-written, such as A Creed for the Ages, or also ones that I've co-written, like um, Defining Inerrancy, or Groundless, or God and Natural Disasters. And then another way you can support us, and I'm sure Frida could tell you this is something that women appreciate, jewelry. You can buy jewelry through our shop at Premier Jewelers and my friend Lena Kester runs that. The access code is LOVE. You go and you buy something special for that lady in your life. <clears throat> Whatever you buy, <coughs> 25% of that will go to deeper waters. So, friends, we really need it. I mean, our anniversary is coming up. And we'd really like to know that you celebrate this show and you think it's doing something really good and if you can't do that we understand but please consider at least going on iTunes and leaving a positive review of the show I love to see them Dr. Bush do you have any organization you'd like to see people donate to? Yes the Medical Institute for Sexual Health you can go to the website um medinstitute.org and there will be places there for you to donate and contribute. Mm -hmm. Uh, The resource had the talk is actually free and uh, you can go to their website uh, www. 
headthetalk.com or headthetalk.org. But mm-hmm. the Medical Institute is a 501c3 um, nonprofit organization, and um, we are supported also by the resources that are purchased on that site. Mm-hmm. So medinstitute.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, there are yeah. lots of resources that are available on there, and they're all free. Mm-hmm. So we depend on the donations to be able to provide these. Yeah. I really like the sound of that word, free. It's a very good word. Well, we are so proud of this information uh, that we are providing it because we want people to use it. It's medically accurate, scientific information. Um, you'll find information, like I said earlier, uh, that's all backed up by scientific uh, studies. And um, one in particular for um, young people who are sexually active is called the um, STD Wizard, and that uh, resource, you put in your demographic information, you put in your behavior, and uh, at the conclusion, it will recommend whether you need to be tested for STDs, the type of STDs that you need to be tested for, and um, we actually have uh, partnered with two labs that you could access to get your testing done. So um, all of access to all of these resources are on that website, uh, but the stdwizard.org can be accessed separately, and all of that information is private. We We don't even have access to it. So it's safe and it's private, and you can go from there to uh, determine what STDs you would be tested for based on the 2015 CDC STD guidelines. Mm-hmm. So it's medically accurate. As I, all of our resources are medically accurate, and you can trust them. Yeah, when I has been talking to her friends, and my wife is nearly 10 years younger than I am, so most of her friends are considerably younger, and they've often used the line I was asking you about, about the whole thing about, would you buy a car without taking it for a test drive, and I've always told Ali, like, all you have to do is ask them one question back, which one of you is the driver and which one of you is the car? Good question. Mm -hmm. I have to give credit to Dr. Morris again for that one because I mean, the thing is that people aren't like that. That and if you go in, you have sex with someone and say, "Oh, I'm not going to marry you." I mean, geez, what what kind of message are you giving that person? Frankly, you can't really have sex the way you're meant to if you think you're going to be graded on a scale to see if you're good enough for marriage. Hmm. Well, I can tell you that whenever two people meet each other, they do size each other up. But that's why we emphasize friendships and healthy 
relationships, getting to know the person before you even start thinking about um, marriage or judging them in any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would certainly encourage, uh, again, getting to know what's in the big head before you go below the waist. Mm-hmm. But not only that, what's also in the heart mm-hmm. and what's their work ethic and getting to know the whole person before you ever think of going beyond that. I think it's also important to see how the person interacts with their parents and how they interact with your parents. I can say when I was interacting with my wife's parents, until they said otherwise, when I came to visit, it was always Mr. Lacona, Mrs. Lacona, over and over until I got, call me Debbie and call me Mike. And that when I took out to meet my parents for the first time, that I lived in Charlotte, and she lived in Atlanta, my parents lived in Knoxville, so I knew I'd have to take her on a trip that would be overnight. And I emailed my father-in-law or my future father-in-law and said hey I want you to know I'm I'm going to take her here my parents are going to be there these are going to be the arrangements to make sure that nothing happens and such and I don't want to take your daughter out of state without without checking with you first so uh, just please uh, let me know that uh, that this is okay and he said you have my blessing and of course, we made sure we honored that. There was nothing sexual before we got married. Because you had that clear understanding, mm-hmm. even as you were dating. Yep. And it also helped the marriage experience to be more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Because you had saved something that had not been done before. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is to be applauded. And that's the type of healthy uh, relationships we would like to encourage and I'm sure parents who are listening to this podcast would like for their children to experience too. Yeah. Again, the resources had the talk and um, part of it will be a guide that tells you how to have that conversation. It also helps parents to know how to communicate with the young person and how to show love because they will pay attention to what you have to say if they know that you love them and you know how to demonstrate it. Mm-hmm. The resource guide also talks about how to start the conversation and if the young and how to feel out whether the young person is ready for that conversation, mm-hmm. overcoming some of the objections that they may have of they're tired or they're too busy or whatever. And you may have to approach the conversation more than once before it actually occurs. Um, And so we provide keys to how to have a healthy conversation, giving valid information that's age appropriate, um, being in a setting also um, where you will not be distracted and where the person is... uh, comfortable as well Mm -hmm. Um, clearly stating what you expect from them letting in regards to sexual activity let them know your expectations and um, making them understand that even if 
you explain the risk of using condoms and other conversations, for example, that you let them know your expectations for them and why, and from a scientific point of view, because it's not just because I said so. Right. Or it's not just because um, everybody else is doing it, but you may be exposed to bacterial infections like chlamydia or gonorrhea, and these can have long-term consequences, especially on young women, by blocking their tubes and causing a disease called pelvic inflammatory disease. It can affect you for the rest of your life. Uh, or you might get HIV, even if you use a condom. Mm-hmm. Or um, anyway, uh, the even the types of activity, that sexual activity, uh, parents need to understand the risk of oral sex or anal sex. And by the way, I've heard of young people, young women in particular, who have started having anal sex in order to avoid getting pregnant or anal sex in order to maintain their quote-unquote virginity prior to marriage, not understanding that uh, anal sex is not abstinent behavior because you are going to be sexually aroused, you're going to be uh, stimulated, even reach a climax with that behavior. So there's that is sex. Anytime you stimulate the body for arousal and release, you're going to, that's sex. Mm-hmm. And so you're not maintaining your virginity. You may be maintaining penile vaginal penetration, but you definitely have still had sexual activity. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important that one of the ways my wife and I were able to avoid anything sexual. It's not because we weren't tempted. We were definitely tempted, and any couple who says they are not tempted, I think it's just lying to you. What's me? But this is something parents need to realize. We had a whole worldview built about what sex is and such before going in. And I like what Lauren Winter said on topic once in her book about your sex for naked truth about chastity. You said that if you you're a teenage boy and a teenage girl on a couch together. A few verses from the Apostle Paul is not going to be enough to overpower your hormones. Wow! Mm-hmm. So you have to make up your mind before. Yep. Hand. You don't yep. wait until you're in the fire to start looking for firefighting equipment. Mm-hmm. You actually are prepared ahead of time. And I love having that conversation before you start dating. There are just some things I will do, and there are some things I won't do. And Uh getting clear expectations ahead of time Uh is very uh, important. And finding out what their desires are or their expectations, because if they're not the same, you can end that conversation or end, end that relationship right then before it really gets started. Yeah, I, I tell people, like, the most I tell you do, usually, before you get married, is kissing and hugging, but no really, really intimate touching, because 
As soon as you start doing any of that, it is very hard to put your brakes on. Yes. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. So mm-hmm. it's important for parents, just as it is important for parents to tell their expectations and to have those conversations, it's important for the two people in the relationship also to make clear their expectations from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So there's no confusion in that relationship and if he decides he wants to walk or if she decides she wants to walk, better to find out then before you become physically and emotionally attached mm-hmm. than later on down the line. So that's being very fair and appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really think that we need to be talking more about just like sex isn't just something you just do for fun. It really does enhance the intimacy and that's the purpose of it and the only place you can really have it contained that way is in marriage. For sure. Because you get to know a person deeper than you ever will otherwise. It's more than just sex in marriage. It's committing yourself to them for better, for worse, richer, or poor, and sickness and health. So you're giving your responsibility, you're giving your wholehearted commitment to that person. As a matter of fact, legally, um, marriage, they say, is the only relationship where two biologically un... um, Two biologically different people become designated as next of kin. Mm-hmm. I think it's important also that we talk about pornography. Um, and this has often been called a man's problem over and over, and no doubt most of the people practicing this are men, but it's also becoming a woman's problem. Mm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And the thing about pornography, it begins, sex begins in the mind, and pornography influences those hormones, as I mentioned earlier, and the wiring of the brain uh, in a way that you don't um, get otherwise. And you can't forget those images, as someone says, you can't unsee. And um, it gives you, mm-hmm. so that that imprint will be with you. And also it gives you false expectations of of reactions and relationships. Um, I remember my husband and I were in Europe. This was several years ago. And pornography is on the regular TV and we didn't, weren't even thinking about it. We were just channel surfing. And it was like, what is this? And uh, it was a very unrealistic short video, and I have to admit, um, we watched it because it was just surprising and fascinating. But the young woman was doing house cleaning. She had on her maid uniform and was dusting the furniture and just going from room to room. And, of course, she would lean over to dust the furniture, and whoever the male was in the room would um, 
participate in sexual activity, and then she'd dust and, and go to the next room, and it was like, I don't believe this. That is, I won't say it's physically impossible, but it certainly could not have been enjoyable by the woman. Um, but can you imagine the safety, the cleanliness, the no relationship whatsoever? Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's a very, pornography is a very unrealistic view of, of sex and of relationship. Yeah, and this kind of stuff really sticks with a man, especially. A man normally has a constant Rolodex going through his head. It doesn't even have to be pornography. It could be a girl he saw at the office this morning or anything like that, and it can really stick in his mind. And A man wishes he could turn this off, but he can't. If I was talking to a woman about it, I'd say, okay, picture would like if you're on a diet and you go through the grocery store and you go through the ice cream section or a chocolate section. Picture what's going through your head, then, what you're experiencing. That is what a man is experiencing so much throughout the day in the in their book through a man's eyes uh, Shanti Fairhorn and Craig Groves point out that uh, if you go see a movie if a husband and wife go see a movie and there's a sex scene in it the wife might very well forget that scene later on the husband if he hears the name of that movie later on he is going to remember if there was a sex scene in it or not Wow, I'm sure he will. Mm-hmm. Well, what we're trying to do with Had the Talk mm-hmm. is provide information to parents to help guide their young people to avoid certain situations, but more than that, to look forward to sex inside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Committed one man, one woman for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we provide valid information for them to share, stating their clear expectations of the, the behavior. But equally important, listening to their young person as to what their thoughts are and expectations. Then you repeat the message frequently and consistently, couching it with your values. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you also, with the information that we provide, how to communicate, how to show love, how to start the conversation, how to continuing the conversation with keys to successful conversation, that you will be confident in presenting it and uh, will be able to succeed and having a healthy conversation and making yourself available as a resource for ongoing communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also one of the dangers that we have is that the false idea that you were saying about giving that, uh, men will often give us the idea that women are just as eager to jump into bed as they are. And really, that's not the case that usually the saying is that a man gives love to get sex and a woman gives sex to get love.
I've heard that, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that um, that is the case, but I think that can work both ways. Mm-hmm. But sex is a very enjoyable experience, and so there are times when, you know, it's equally desirous on both parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you have to establish your boundaries and your limitations before you even become involved with the person. Mm-hmm. And so both can share love right? in that experience or not. Mm-hmm. And that love is something that does indeed grow over time more and more and the sex is an important part of that and I, I'm, I remember right now just as I said that uh, and something that uh, a woman told me years ago long before Allie ever showed up on the horizon for me and that was she said when you get married remember this always sex begins at breakfast and which meant was that if you want to have a good marriage with your wife you don't just go and romance her when you're feeling it and you want to have sex with her you spend all day romancing your wife well it sounds like a happy marriage to me yeah and you know sometimes just doing acts of kindness mm-hmm. you don't you're not trying to uh, have sex with them but just mm-hmm telling them how nice they look or bringing flowers or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think uh, just doing that helps you to communicate, but it helps them to know your intention. And I would even say that parents can use that same thought process Uh in their relationship with their child because it'll make them more credible when they sit down to have a challenging conversation or a sensitive conversation, I should say, about sex. That if the parents have built up a relationship, then it'll be an easier conversation than if they haven't. I think a mistake a parent can often make is that when they start having children, the children can become the focus of a marriage. You know, I've heard cases of women who've been asked, for instance, would you be willing to go to hell in the place of one of your children? Said, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I said, okay, next question. Would you be willing to go to hell in the place of your husband? Well, um, um, uh, and I mean, that, that strikes me as problematic because Mothers can, especially can sometimes give you attitude, they'll do anything they can for their child, but the husband, well, no, not really. And I think one of the best things you can do for, I mean, I was even talking to my own dad, and he said, I want you to know, you and Allie are number one in my life. I said, we don't want to be. And he immediately said, we don't want to be. We are to be behind mom entirely. That God be number one, she's number two. We should be number three instead. Well, you definitely have to show acts of kindness and 
quality time and you know things like that so that that person would be willing in that relationship yeah and don't uh, I, I won't think... say necessarily to go to hell but they'd certainly be willing yeah. to do for you um regardless you know something i've also said in our culture debate that we have going on where people are asking so much, why is it that the world is treating marriage this way? Why are they scandalizing marriage? And I always say, look, if the world is not honoring marriage, it's sadly because the church took the lead in not honoring it first. But we haven't treated marriage as a sacred thing. It's supposed to be. And one thing I tell parents is, look, if you want your children to know how important this is to you, make sure that your children know that you openly express your love for one another regularly. Yeah, they might tease you, they see you kissing together and say, gross, or something like that, but they need to see that you two are just madly in love with each other. Very important <clears throat> for you to demonstrate a healthy relationship so the child will even desire it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like some comebacks we teach young people if the guy says this then you can say that and one of them you know when the guy is trying to pressure you for sex is you can say to them um, you don't have to um, you know have sex to demonstrate that you love or you care my daddy said and you can say you know what it is that your father has already said to you mm -hmm. and I've seen a healthy man in my dad and mm -hmm. this is not the way my dad reacts and mm -hmm. so I or the guys can say the same thing about my mom mm -hmm. and so when we demonstrate the type of relationship or friendship among ourselves or among our mates that that's a healthy example for our children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say Gary Chapman um, published a book several years ago, The Five Love Languages. Uh-huh. It's a very powerful um, way for, as parents, to show love to our children uh -huh. and to find out what their love language is, again, as a demonstration of what they should be looking for in relationships as well. Mm. Uh, well, there there are some interesting things about the love languages. I I was kind of surprised to find out that one of my biggest ones was touch, because I normally don't like it when other people touch me, but with Ari, it's an exception that if I can be really really angry or really really depressed about something, and if I can get one loving touch, not a playful touch, but a loving touch, my mood can pretty much change instantly. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're sounding like uh, touch is a very uh, important part. It is. And what young people have to understand is you get to know your mate by going through there's called 12 steps of intimacy. Yes. And if you skip any one of those and go to 
um, sexual activity. You really don't get to know the person as well as you need to or as well as you would like to ultimately for a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So you begin slow, eye contact, um, words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you begin slow that way before you ever, and you don't get into the touching, especially below the waist, oh, yeah. until much further on into the relationship. Um, mm -hmm. So again, you can look up those 12 steps of intimacy and find out exactly what they are. And believe it or not, eye contact is um, a one of, among the first, and you certainly don't go below the waist oh, until yeah. much further on into the relationship. Yeah, we didn't do that at all until we were married. I, I think that, like I said, kissing and hugging is really as far as we went, and I, I think it, it is important to be able to reach that lever before you get married, because I say, look, if you're not able to do that, it's going to be hard to turn a 180 entirely and be ready for sex immediately. Very realistic, very realistic. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, parents need to show love to their young people as a demonstration of their love but also to as a example for them to follow. So showing physical affection to your children, the hugs, the pats on the back, um, touch on the shoulder, spending quality time with them, encouraging and supporting the child's interests and hobbies. Um, so that when you do things like that, acts of kindness, um, that helps a young person to trust what you have to say as well. And of course, gifts, um, not just at birthday time or Christmas time or, you know, holidays, but that you just, just because you yeah. would do something special for them. That's uh, always love language, and she has to be very careful because she knows if she just briefly mention something, I will remember it and I will, will likely be going on Amazon immediately and seeing if I can find it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And of course, words of affirmation, oh, things yeah. like, good job, or mm -hmm. I'm proud of you. So when you go to have a conversation about something as sensitive as sex, you've already built up credibility with that person and they're more likely to uh, listen to you even though it's a sensitive conversation and then of course when you go to have the conversation you're going to pay attention to what you're talking about um, in other words don't be trying to multitask while you're having a conversation that this is that is this sensitive for the young person and uh, as you talk, you would um, be able to share with them, but then when they talk, you will also listen to them and be attentive. And uh, don't forget, a conversation is a two-way street. Mm -hmm. So, um, and of course, at the end, you're going to restate 
your expectations, but also what you've heard from them uh, so that you will walk away from the conversation, either continuing it at some stated time or just letting them know that your door is always open Mm -hmm. and you are available to them. And so sometimes after you've had it or even before, you are able to take teachable moments if you're watching TV together and say, did you see that? You know, and then use that as a jumping off point for reinforcement Mm -hmm. or even understanding of what the young people are being tempted with. Watching their shows or listening to their music helps you to be better in your communication. Well, Dr. Boisha, it's been a great conversation, but unfortunately we're reaching a stopping point here. Do you have a blog or website where people can get in touch with you if they want to find out more? Yes. For the Had the Talk information, they can go to www.hadthetalk.com or hadthetalk.org. And for the Medical Institute in general, the medinstitute.org. That's med, M-E-D-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot org Uh as resources. We'd like for them also to remember the STD Wizard, which is um, a resource for assessing their risk for sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, So that would be... um, stdwizard.org mm-hmm. uh, Do you have any final words you'd like to leave today for a Deeper Waters audience? Well, the most important thing I would want to say is that this is a very vital conversation. Parents mm-hmm. need to be armed and ready to have these conversations about um, sex and the resources that are available through the Medical Institute for Sexual Health are medically accurate, they're uh, scientific, but they're also written in languages that they would be under, able to understand. Mm-hmm. We have resources not just for parents, but also for health professionals, for educators. We also have a Building Family Connections um, educational series that is available for um, educators to teach them how to talk to, teach the parents how to talk to their children about sex. We provide this twice a year at the Medical Institute and the Building Family Connections um, is a resource that actually um, helps parents Health educators teach parents how to talk to their kids about sex. Mm -hmm. We have our next training in Austin on March 29th through 31 Mm -hmm. in 2017. So they can contact the Medical Institute for um, application. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to be saying it. A bit more of a Dr. Bush, it's been great having you on. Hopefully we'll see you back here again sometime. Well, I'd love to. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and um, it's been great. 
Now, I'd like to remind everyone that next week for Saturday, we're going to be having Dr. Craig Evans coming on, talking about his book, Jesus and the Remains of His Day. For now, I am Nick Peters, and I am signing off.